Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who will have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. Human beings are a pretty trusting species. In fact, we often trust strangers and cooperate with them, even when it means we have to sacrifice something. But why are we so trusting? And where did human cooperation come from? This week, Dan Ariely talks with King Chi Tom of Duke's Department of Evolutionary Anthropology about what we can learn from our closest genetic relatives about the evolution of cooperation. You're trying to study the origin of cooperation, is that fair? Yes. And how do you go about it? So um, we try to approach the problem by looking at what makes humans a cooperative species. So cooperative means what? Cooperative means just two individuals working together and produce something better than if you're working alone. Okay, so you're basically saying how do people decide to be work together rather than being selfish and not, not, uh, not cooperating because cooperation has a risk as well. Yes, correct. So um, actually, if we look at other primates and how they interact with each other, simply by sitting together with another primate could be a risk because the other one could be aggressor. So a primate like? Like um, chimpanzees, they will kill each other if they don't know each other. So if I'm a chimpanzee and you're a chimpanzee and I try to work together with you for a better cause, there's some real risk that you'll kill me? Yes. If I don't know you, and then it's very likely that um, um, you will end up being killed by a stranger. Oh, that's terrible. Yes, absolutely. So is that what you're studying? You put chimps next to each other and see if they kill each other? Hypothetically, that won't get approved by ethics committee, and then I, you might probably won't see me again. <laughs> and the study would end up being studying. We start the study with 20 individuals, and we end up with zero. I see. So, so what do you do instead? So instead, we study bonobos. And bonobos, like chimpanzees, are our closest relatives as well. We share 99% DNA together. But very, we're very lucky to have two closest related uh, relatives because bonobos are very peaceful with strangers. So they're much nicer to study. Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, so you put two bonobos next to each other and you see how they cooperate. How do you study this? Um, we put two bonobos. They're from different groups and they don't know each other before. And we put them, we have one bonobo um, in a situation that they see some very f uh, delicious food, but they cannot reach for it. So that's what we call the high-hanging fruit. But then we have another bonobo in another room, but they, um, they, have, um, they have an opportunity to release the high-hanging fruit into low-hanging fruit. I see. So bonobo one sees the high-hanging fruit, can't reach it, but they can see it. The second bonobo has the opportunity to pull some lever or rope that would release that uh, fruit for the first bonobo. And so that's basically sacrifice. They have to go and do something for the benefit of the other bonobo. And the question is, would they do it? Yes, exactly. And they actually have to pay a pretty high cost because we engage them into very funny games and they have to climb a long way. I see. So you, you make it difficult for them to, to do it. It's yeah. not just at uh, arm's reach. It's something complex. Yes, it's very complex. And do they do it? I'm, 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 uh, I can't hold my, my anticipation. Yes, they do it. And they do it with a stranger. And that was really shocking to us. So wait, wait. So the first thing is they do it. But, but now the, the second question is, how much do they do it for a bonobo that they know mm -hmm. 
somebody that you can imagine that is part of the same group, that they might meet again, that might owe them a favor, they might have some history with, versus for somebody who's new that they have no history with and probably not even hope to interact with again in the future. Yes, so what we found was that in this kind of situation, they actually help a bonobo stranger as much as they help someone that they know. So they're just altruistic, uh, knowing, not knowing, whatever it is, if I can do some effort, if I'm a bonobo and I can help somebody, I'm going to help them. Absolutely. By the way, in what percentage of the trials do they help? Uh, about 30%. Okay, so they're not perfectly altruistic, mm-hmm. but, but their altruism does not distinguish between um, bonobos they know and bonobos they don't know. So what, and what, what does that mean? Correct. So um, what does it mean is that um, compared to humans, they might not share as much food as um, we do, but we have the same level of tolerance as the bonobo. Tolerance to what? Tolerance in terms of um, the willingness to help them and the willingness to take the risk to get near them. So so you're saying that um, people have similar, like if you put people in this situation, you think that the sharing will be more than 30%? Um, I think I think so. I yeah. think humans would do that, but the critical difference would be that humans would always prefer to share with someone they know. I see. So we, we prefer somebody that we know to somebody we don't know. We have kind of a stranger uh, dislike, yeah. which we see in all kinds of terrible situations around the world. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the bonobos don't have it. They actually uh, help the strangers to the same degree. Yes. And actually, in another study, we gave them a direct choice to share with a stranger versus share with someone they know. They actually prefer to share with a stranger. When now, how can that be good evolutionary for them to, s- to share with strangers? Yes, yeah, so this, we have to look into um, how bonobos form the social group. So for bonobos, they actually are female dominant. What it means is that females are the boss. In a bonobo group, all the females were former immigrants. So what it means... Oh, they, they joined as new to the group. Yes. Only females move out and join new groups. So what it means is that in the bonobo group, you see all the females are bosses. And at one point in their lifetime, there were newcomers as well. So this, we believe this kind of psychology that they prefer strangers are actually a way for them to climb up the social ladder and become the boss of a group. So, so you're saying that for the bonobo structure, they have to accept women, they accept females mm-hmm. into the group. So they have to like strangers to some degree. Mm-hmm. And they also allow them to climb up the social ladder within, within the group. Yes, correct. So this is a very different picture with chimpanzees. Chimpanzees, males are the boss and females are constantly being treated very badly by the males. And in that kind of situation, you won't see any preference for immigrants because immigrants are new competitors. So, so is it true that in societies that are, in human societies that are more dominated by females, we have uh, easier immigration laws and uh, immigrants are more uh, successful? Is that, is that the prediction that you would, you would hold? Uh, yes, actually, someone, um, uh, we have some anthropologists in, in our field actually find that humans have a much more flexible immigration system than chimpanzees or bonobos. So in chimpanzees bonobos, only females can move to a new group. In humans, both male and female are freely capable of moving. And, and do we, does this um, flexibility toward immigrants, is it also reflecting of how... Uh, 
how much preference people have to help stranger versus local. So do you think that if we looked at the U.S. and we looked at communities that accept immigrants with higher ease and lower ease, we would also find a, a correlation with how much they're willing to help strangers compared to people who are locals? Yes. So one thing, one um, very um, well-established predictor of whether they would like you or not is to you speak the same language as they do. So if they detect you that um, you're coming from the same cultural group and speak similar language, they would treat you just like um, their friends. But if you, they, for the first second they, s- they heard a different accent or they heard you speak a different language, then you would be among the outgroup that they would kind of dislike. So basically you're saying is that bonobos would fit very well in New York or San Francisco where there's a lot of uh, immigration yes. population, uh, maybe not so much in other parts of the, of the country. Now, what's, what's next in terms of your research on bonobos? What is the, some of the next question that you want to explore? Yes, so one of the big questions about why bonobos would um, like strangers is that at what age do they start to develop this preference? Because usually as an infant or as a young individual, you'd be very afraid of an unfamiliar individuals. So one, um, one hypothesis in the field was actually that bonobos has a tolerance that are, we call it a Peter Pan ape. So basically they are arrested in a very young um, developmental stage. And then they, their fear basically did not develop. Um, and that kind of um, juvenile level tolerance and um, fearless allows them to accept um, individuals that they don't know even when they become adults. So you want to look whether humans at younger age have also preference for strangers? Is that one of the next uh, steps? Yes. So the next step would be that we look at humans at a younger age and bonobos at a younger age. And also we would come up with some tasks that to test chimpanzees at a younger age. Are they afraid of strangers or not? So, so if your research works out, it would be that societies that are dominated by women Uh, do better and maybe ones that dominate by kids so young girls should really dominate the world I'm certainly going home and telling my daughter about that I think she'll be delighted with these findings this has been arming the donkeys a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely of Duke University to further expand your understanding of dishonesty irrationality and other human quirks go to danarielli.com <laughs>